And joining me now on the phone is Democratic State Senator Andy Menar from Bunker Hill, which is in southern Macoupin County, south of Springfield. Senator Menar, thank you so much for joining me this evening. You bet. Thanks for having me, Rick. So we've heard some voices, uh, Republican voices, uh, talking about uh, unhappiness with uh, Governor Pritzker's reopen Illinois plan um, and of the belief that it does not provide enough uh, recognition of uh, local issues and that regions are kind of the regions set up for uh, understood for the hospitalization regions, but nevertheless that they lump too many smaller rural places in with larger cities where it doesn't recognize perhaps a difference in the spread of the coronavirus that you would find in a a, a bigger, more urban setting. I was just your thoughts on that. Well, I think, you know, first of all, I think the governor and his team have done an extraordinary job. Uh, The governor, of course, didn't have uh, today or yesterday his daily press briefings after, I don't, I think it was 60 some, wasn't it? It was 60 some in a row. Yes. Um, his team and he personally have responded, in my opinion, in an extraordinary way under some very, very difficult circumstances. And I think publishing that plan was a big step uh, for the whole state and for the administration um, to recognize that the diverse regions of the state uh, should be able to go on their own path if uh, science and if data and if health experts say that it's warranted. So that was a big step for the administration. I think it was a big step for the state where here we are less than a week later having um, a robust debate about geography in Illinois. Imagine that, Rick. Um, so <laughs> well, so I, I would imagine it's going to continue. But, but you know, I, I, know, I know the governor to be an incredibly reasonable individual. Um, on occasion throughout this crisis, uh, there have been individual things in my district that I pick up the phone and call either him or his uh, somebody on his team, and, and they get right to it, and they recognize that diversity in the state. Yeah, I mean, I obviously, you know, you're you're in Macoupin County, and you know what you see in Macoupin County, you're probably in the same uh, lumped in with Springfield, which might have a different, you know, number of of coronavirus cases versus what you would find in uh, the rest of Macoupin County. Yeah, uh, yeah, true. But I, I also live about two miles from the Madison County border, which of course is. Metro uh, East. urban and, and suburban right so so I, I mean we could we could parse this thing i mean we could spend every hour of every day for the next several weeks parsing um parsing any plan that the governor would have produced if he had said it was a county level plan you know there would have been uh communities for example on the other end of the district that i represent macon county that would say well we don't want to be lumped in with the city of decatur even though we're in the same county so uh, you know, my point, again, is I think the governor is a reasonable person. I think he has let uh, – I know that he has let science and he has let data guide his decisions. I, for one, think it's nice to have a governor that responds uh, to those things rather than to the political winds in the state. And, you know, sooner or later we'll be in session. The General Assembly will convene in Springfield, and I'm sure this will be a big part of the debate that, that undoubtedly we're going to have in addition to – 
uh, the mountain of a challenge that we have for the state budget for the coming fiscal year. We're speaking with Democratic State Senator Andy Menar from Bunker Hill in southern Macoupin County. I'm Rick Pearson. This is your Sunday Spin. Welcome back to your Sunday Spin. I'm Rick Pearson of the Chicago Tribune here in the WGN Skyline studio. Joining me on the phone, Andy Menar, Democratic State Senator from Bunker Hill in Macoupin County. Uh, part of our Voices from Downstate conversation that we're having today. Uh, so, Senator, when you were talking about the governor uh, understanding, you know, the, the regionalism of the state, um, and, and also talking about lawmakers at some point coming into session. So then, right now, should we view this reopen Illinois uh, plan from the governor as, right now, it's the plan, uh, but maybe take a longer view look that this is more like a blueprint than necessarily the plan? Well, I'm I'm not in a position I'm not in a position to answer that question, but you know, keep in mind this is this is less than a week old, and everyone is frustrated. That's clear. Um, no one likes this situation. Um, no one on the political spectrum, whether you're liberal, conservative, likes this situation. Um, but what the governor released is is less than a week old at this point, and. Uh, I think Representative Demmer um, earlier in the show um, made very good points about the work that's happening on the local level. That's happening not in all parts of the state, but it's happening in many parts of the state. I view that work as supportive of what the Illinois Department of Public Health has been doing every day since the pandemic um, began several months ago. So I would hope that that local work, along with the state work, eventually could become one product. How we do that, though, Rick, I, I just don't know. But, you know, I, I throw a cautious, uh, cautious blanket on these conversations because I'm, you know, as a downstater, as, a, as an individual who lives in a town of 1,700 people, where I'm sitting right now, um, you know, across the, across the state, uh, just to the east of where I live, Jasper County has a death rate today of six. Uh, 0.7 individuals per 10,000 population, 6.67. Uh, Chicago's is is 4.94. So we tend to think about uh, infection and, unfortunately, those who pass away from uh, contracting this disease in terms of hard numbers. And, you know, there are counties in downstate Illinois that don't have as many people as the number of cases in Chicago, for example, but we should think about this in terms of of a rate of infection or a rate of death, because that is more representative of the challenge downstate. We should get away from these hard numbers. And if you look at those numbers, I'm urging caution. I don't like to do that, of course, because I, I I would love nothing more than to send my three children back to school so they could finish out their year. Uh, so they could get closure, be with their friends and their teachers. I would love nothing more for our uh, our small businesses in my hometown to be able to reopen. But but it would be really foolish at this time, I think, to go full blown forward um, because we'll we'll get stuck with taking two or three steps backwards, and that that's going to dig the hole deeper 
than the hole that we're already in today, unfortunately. Well, and that's that, that is one issue uh, downstate, and uh, you know, obviously, the issue of, of nursing homes is is one thing, but also mm-hmm. downstate is where you do have state facilities as well, and these congregate settings, larger congregate settings, and. You know, the again the transmissibility of the coronavirus. It's not, it's it's not geographically limited, and people working, uh, going home, uh, in contact in these kind of congregate yeah. settings is and, and, is a very and, troubling issue. It is, and and when you think of state facilities and you think of um, congregate setting. Uh, facilities, those many times in the communities that they're located are the largest employers. You know, so think of the largest employer in the city. If there was a, a coronavirus outbreak at that largest employer, that that's what we should think about when, for example, um, there's an outbreak at a nursing home um, in Taylorville or um, in Carbondale or another community, those, those typically are some of the largest employers in those communities. It's it's different in terms of that aspect, but it's also a little more alarming. I, I hear too many times, well, you know, in downstate, the, uh, the, the, the spread of the disease is concentrated only in nursing homes, or that's just nursing home. It, it's contained in a nursing home. I hear that all the time, but, but, that's typically one of the largest employers in the community. And by the way, those are people too in those nursing homes. And there are workers that go in and out of that building every day. And those workers could obviously very easily spread the disease when they go home. So, you know, obviously we, you're, you're in an, a region of the state where we're seeing uh, various county officials uh, states attorneys, uh, county sheriffs, basically saying we're going to turn a blind eye to the governor's directive, even though it's the local law enforcement and local agencies that are uh, charged with fulfilling those executive orders. Yeah, not not so much in my my part of the state. Um, for for the most part, I would tell you that the the work that the local public health departments. Uh, do in the three very rural counties that that I represent, um, and not to notwithstanding what's happening in Springfield and Decatur, which are much larger departments, obviously. Uh, but even in the three rural counties, the work that the public health departments do at the local level is nothing short of extraordinary. Through this, uh, many times uh, be, because their budgets have been reduced uh, for for obvious reasons over over recent years. Uh, but the work that they do for enforcement um, is nothing short of extraordinary. I don't, I don't really see that, um, you know, thumbing of the nose of, of elected and public officials um, at the law in in my area. Um, not to say it won't happen in the future. It might, depending on how this, you know, proceeds and um, you know how much patience people have uh, moving forward. But, but. I would just I would just tell you in in the 48th Senate district, um, Republicans and Democrats are working well together. Public health departments are leading the way in terms of response. Most people that I see, most people um, wear masks in a grocery store um, or at a gas station. Um, There there truly is an effort. Now, of course, there's always, uh, you know, those that go against the grain. But by and large, uh, most people 
understand that in order to get back to normal, uh, we have to stop the spread of the disease. I, I know it's not your place to tell the governor what he should and shouldn't do, but I, I have always wondered if maybe uh, it wouldn't hurt to do one of his briefings, one of his daily briefings downstate, just as a acknowledgement to to the rest of the state. Yeah, it, it certainly wouldn't. It certainly wouldn't wouldn't hurt. But I, you know, I went through this um, in, in a very big way with school funding reform. You know, the the, the political right. geography of the state. Um, and I would tell you, if you opened up the Decatur Herald and Review today, Rick, you would see a quote from uh, the mayor, Julie Moore Wolf, uh, who I speak to almost on a daily basis, almost on a daily. I didn't speak to her today because it's Mother's Day. Um, but there's a quote from the mayor, um, Julie Moore Wolf, who says that she has direct access to Governor Pritzker and that he responds to her. He personally responds to her uh, when she has a situation in the city of Decatur. Uh, we went through um, uh, awful situation with a, with a nursing home, and the nursing home was one of the first homes at the mayor's request, at my request, uh, that the Department of Public Health uh, did a mass testing exercise on um, in downstate. Uh, so you would see a quote where the mayor says that um, that the governor's been overly responsive to her, and that when she needs something, she literally picks up the phone and calls him. Um, so would it be nice? Of course it would. But, you know, that would also take uh, the governor to pack up his staff and, uh, you know, drive across the state, um, uh, potentially exposing individuals or staff members. Um, but right now, I think what's most important is that we uh, keep responding in a cautious manner as a state government and letting uh, data and letting science help lead our decision-making process. So at what point do you think uh, the legislature returns? You know, I, I really don't know. I, I had a conversation with President Harmon, um, who, um, you know, has who's been uh, keeping our caucus up to date in the Senate, the Senate Democrats, on all of these potential issues. And it's been helpful, you know, for us to, to share with each other what's happening in each of our districts, respectively, uh, but I would expect sometime um, before the end of the month, uh, we will have to convene because we have to um, go through the process of passing a budget for the coming fiscal year, which is not going to be um, an easy task. This is going to be most likely the most difficult budget scenario um, that any of us uh, have or ever will uh, deal with during our tenure in the legislature. We have incredible challenges coming at us in the coming weeks in terms of decisions on how uh, we will craft a balanced budget for the upcoming fiscal year. So does that mean you expect that we will have a budget adopted in three weeks? Um, maybe not in three weeks, but I, I would hope that, um, you know, I hope that we will, uh, in short order, um, uh, Congressman LaHood, uh, the guest previous to me, of course, said that he was hoping uh, that if a stimulus package comes from the federal government, it would come perhaps in the month of June. Uh, that's a little bit longer than what we would take typically to pass a budget in the General Assembly. So that's a big moving piece of the puzzle. Uh, but I, I would tell you, Rick, that um, in the Senate, at least, Republicans and Democrats, we meet every day. Uh, the, the folks that are charged with negotiating the moving parts of the budget, 
Uh, we meet every single day, and um, it's it's a very positive can-do type of conversation right now. Keep in mind, we're operating on a budget right now in the state that was a bipartisan success um, this time last year. It was passed this time last year. The budget that we're operating off of today was a bipartisan balanced budget. Um, of course, we were thrown this incredible uh, curveball uh, with COVID-19, but we're operating off of a bipartisan balanced budget. That that gives me hope and gives me an expectation that we can do that again. Uh, it'll be very interesting. It'll be. It'll be. Also, it will. <laughs> also, that's an understatement. Uh, Democratic State Senator Andy Menar from Bunker Hill. Senator, as always, thank you so much for joining me. You bet. Thanks for having me, Rick.